Good morning, Bible Center Church family and friends. Today, on this Palm Sunday, we want to greet you and we want to speak expressly about the season that we are now celebrating. And while we are separated in persons, we are really united at the foot of the cross. There are many events that began on Palm Sunday, and many of those events that took place throughout that week before the crucifixion are worthy of our attention. They all lead up to the main event, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. But due to that safe at home policy, our normal Easter celebration has changed. And while our celebration has changed, you know, what we celebrate and the reason we celebrate has not changed. So today, as we approach this Holy Week, we want to focus upon that which took place on that Friday, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. We are most and often familiar with the events, but this morning I want to view it from the point of the cross is a revolution, but it is a revolution of tenderness. Isaiah 53 reads, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It goes on to tell us that we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own ways, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. The cross, as it pertains to Satan's kingdom in the powers of darkness, it is an overthrow. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, All power, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. But this revolution, as it relates to mankind, is a revolution of tenderness. It was there in God's most painful moment that that became man's most tender moment. So what is a revolution? It is a sudden, radical, complete change, a life-changing force. It's an overthrow of one government, a ruler, and another rules. 
Easter, as we know, it really is a divine eruption. It blasts through death and into eternity. This activity of God and this movement of God that's designed to affect change in our lives and in all of the world. This revolution of tenderness is not a revolution where people fight. For Jesus said in John chapter 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Obviously we know that it is from above. This Easter inaugurates or launches a celebration of God's goodness and God's greatness. It's the arrival and the setup of a new king and a new kingdom. Yes, it indeed is the defeat of power in the establishment of a new power, wherein he is setting free those who are shut up in depression and despair, and he in his tenderness nurses the bruised reed. So a revolution of tenderness. What is tenderness? Tenderness is defined as gentleness and kindness, feelings of deep affection and sensitivity to pain in the plight of another. A tender-hearted person feels the pain of others' difficulties. They're the type of people that rejoice with the joyful and they weep with the sorrowful. Tender-hearted people have a great capacity to be wounded for others. As we read, he was wounded for our transgressions. Yes, the cross's tender-heartedness. There is a moment that is most painful in this work of God at the cross. Matthew 27, 45 says that from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, there was darkness. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, Jesus' words were not against the Father or an accusation regarding it, but was an expression of dependence. For there at the cross, there is the launch and the seed of divine tenderness that is planted for humanity. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, tender-heartedness is a life-giving sacrifice. He was wounded for our transgressions in the cross. Yes, the cross indeed is cruelty, but it is one in which he voluntarily sacrificed in the tenderness of his own will. Jesus said, no man takes my life 
from me. I freely lay it down. This moment and this time of the cross, it is the hallmark of God's life-giving gospel. Yes, it is the new genesis of creation. For Paul wrote and said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. It is a brand new day. You see, the cross is the hinge upon the, which the door of all human history swings. It's the pivot around which all the events of the ages have revolved, both before and after. It's the fulcrum of God's grand and glorious lever. 4,000 years, think about it in crafting, when one man, one tree, on one Friday, pried a fallen world from Satan's grip. You see, the cross, in its tenderness, we, did, we have eyes to see others, ears to hear others, and hands and hearts to comfort and take care of those in need. That's why I say today that the cross is a revolution of tenderness. That tenderness that is the interior fountain of God's own sweetness. It is the soul and the marrow of the Christ life. Praise his holy name. Yes, it is a revolution of tenderness. This Jesus, the tender king and deliverer, brings a revolutionary message. I like what he says in Matthew 12 and 19. He said, he shall not strive nor cry, neither shall you know, anyone hear his voice in the streets. Well, what is he saying? He's saying the, the Messiah isn't coming to force anyone into his kingdom. He isn't coming as a loud, boisterous, you know, or overpowering personality. No, he is one that comes with the outstretched hand and says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A revolution of tenderness. This Jesus, the scripture refers to us as a tender-hearted priest. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You see, God has dropped the lifeline you know, for you and I. And when we feel like life is ending, there's a caring helper who doesn't tell us, buck up. No, you know, he tells us, I'll lift you up rather than buck up. Praise his holy name. I love what Psalms chapter 18 verse 35 says, your gentleness has made 
me great. Think about it, a revolution of tenderness. You see, this tenderness, you know, is, is the grape in the autumn and not in the spring. The grape in the spring is full of life, but it doesn't have the richness of time and experience by which it becomes sweet. Praise the Lord. Through the seasons of life, when Jesus said he was tempted in all points like as we are, you know, he is telling us that he's been through all the seasons, and all those seasons have went ahead and produced a sweetness that has brought forth a revolution of tenderness. Praise his holy name. And that tenderness, you know, he hears the cry of the poor, the downtrodden, and he intercedes for them. It was Psalm 34 and 6. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. There's something about tenderness and why it's important, because it's part of who Christ is and part of what the church needs to be. Tenderness mellows the will. It softens your judgment, and it refines the manners of an individual. It was the word that said, as he stood there defending that adulterous woman while the accusers stood around and wanted her life to be taken, he said, let him who was without sin cast or throw the first stone. You see, tenderness will take the stone out of your hand. Tenderness will remove that sense of your feeling, you know what I mean, of wanting to cast it, you know, to point out and to bring to the forefront somebody's sin. Now, in 1 John 3 and 16, it tells us that the love of God is this. He laid down his life for us, you know, because of his love. And therefore, we ought to lay our lives down also for our brethren. Imagine on this, you know, great event on the road to Calvary. I want to point out some of the compassionate things that Jesus did when he was carrying the cross, when he was on the cross. First of all, we discover that the cross is others first. Even as Jesus is carrying this cross after having been beaten so much that he was unrecognizable, he has a tenderness for those that were grieving. Yes, you know, he turns to these women who are crying and praying and weeping for, for what he is going through, and he has compassion and he becomes concerned about them and their future. He says, don't cry for me, cry for your future. He, in the cross of tenderness, he's concerned about the future of you and I more than he was his own future. Think about it, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
we see this compassion and tenderness of Jesus coming out, you know, as he stood on the hill of Jerusalem and he looked over it and the Bible says as he saw its future and, you know, the turmoil that lie ahead, he began to cry over Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you. I wanted to bring you in. I wanted to protect you. I wanted to keep you. Why? Because he is a God of tenderness. Focusing and showing compassion for them instead of himself. Therefore, that's why the scripture makes sense to us that we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. That we ought to be part of a revolution of tenderness. He was not only, you know, compassionate for individuals, he was compassionate for the crowd for the crowd. It says that he is observing and watching and he prays and asks the Father to forgive his executioners. Yes, all of the Romans and all the Jews that were part of that crucifying crowd, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He in his tenderness could see their spiritual blindness. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, if they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. May God give us understanding today in our world and in this time, even while we're separated because of the decrees and the issues that are facing not only our land, but the world. Hanging on the cross, Jesus had compassion for the thief. Yes, there in his tenderness toward that repentant thief, in the middle of his own agony, through the pain in his own body, and as he was fighting for breath, Jesus gives mercy and grace to a dying and a sinful man. Yes, today you shall be with me in paradise. Let me say for a moment here this morning that forgiveness is the ultimate expression of tenderness. I believe that. When Jesus said, you shall forgive, how many times? Seven times 70. He was telling us, don't count how many times you are forgiving somebody. Yes, he's not suggesting or encouraging us to keep on sinning, but he's encouraging us to keep on coming and bring ourselves to the Savior. The life carrying its cross daily offers forgiveness. I believe that when Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me, I believe that we have to look at the cross and find out what was one of the number one reasons for the cross, and that was forgiveness. If in carrying our cross, forgiveness is not part of us, then our cross is empty. Let us as people always exhibit 
forgiveness because a life carrying its cross daily offers forgiveness. And then Jesus also had compassion for his mother. All of this is taking place as she's under, you know, the load of all that the cross stood for. He's still experiencing the, the agony and the, the, the effects of having been beaten and whipped that the scripture says went ahead and, and made his visage or his, when you looked at him, you would not recognize, you know, that this was the Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, in compassion, you know, understood that he had responsibility. As the firstborn son of Mary, he was responsible for looking after her. You see, tenderness will give you presence of mind. It will give you tenderness of heart. Yes, remember, he's alone. His siblings didn't support Jesus' ministry. They didn't even show up on the day that Jesus was crucified. Yet with all this hanging around him, Jesus went ahead and took care of his responsibility. And he said, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, which happened to be John, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his home. There is an amazing thing about this revolution of tenderness. It is always looking to take care of your future. In this moment in time, Jesus, who was the tender revolutionary, begins to redefine things for us. Jesus revolutionized our understanding of greatness. See, in the ancient world, and even in the present, greatness was measured by things like a noble birth, wealth, and achievements. And Jesus had none of these because popularity was not the goal of Jesus. Serving was the goal of Jesus. And so he defines greatness for us. And that is greatness is being the servant of all. Can you imagine? Here are his disciples who had followed him and were part of his entourage. And, you know, in his daily living, in one day, they're having a serious and intense discussion of, you know, who should be first? And Jesus interrupts, you know what I mean, their, their moments and says, if whoever is great among you, let him be your servant. He not only, you know, taught us about greatness, but he also taught us about dignity and the worth of life. 
You see, the cross places all humanity on the same plane. Sinners who are lost and are in need of a Savior. This Jesus, yes, ministered to outsiders and insiders alike. He ministered to criminals. He ministered to those who were called mediocre people, insignificant and, and average, and those that those of the religious sex would not have anything to do with it. In fact, as they would say, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Think about it. This Jesus showed the worth of life when he said, let the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He ministered to slaves. You know, a slave role and, and elevation in life was so low that they were referred to as a people without a face, a non-person. They were considered less than fully human. Oh, yes, but he hung out with those that others deemed less desirable. That's why I say the cross is a revolution of tenderness. Jesus taught us, you know, how we are to treat our enemies. It has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You see, the gospel of tenderness is a gospel of no retribution. No, but it is a gospel of embrace a gospel intended to bring restitution. John 10 and 10 says, The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I love the gospel of tenderness. Jesus revolutionized how we come to God. Yes, up to this point, everyone understood that salvation essentially as a human achievement. A person is saved by certain good works or by gaining certain knowledge. Jesus taught a different way. To the thief on the cross when he was dying, said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was a murderer. He didn't have sufficient knowledge of Jesus to be saved. But he was saved because he acknowledged that he needed a Savior. And he cried out for help, putting his trust in Jesus. And there in that moment, fulfilled in his life, was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. May we fall in love all over again, afresh and anew with the cross of Jesus Christ. This Jesus, who is our tender high priest, 
carries in his pierced hands, feet inside, the memorials of his redeemed. Isaiah 49 and 16 says, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Oh yes, this high priest is, uh, has assumed a tender office. Come unto me, all ye that labor. He's a high priest with tender feelings. He notices your trials, your distresses, and he moves to give mercy and grace. Oh yes, so many things have happened and took place at the cross that needs to become revolutionary in our life. Revolutionary in how we think. Revolutionary in how we deal with people. Revolutionary in how we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are so many things that happened at the cross. Yes, at the cross, Jesus took my rebellion and independence and restored daily fellowship with God. At the cross, this darkened heart of mine, and I received a new heart, alive with God's desires. At the cross, Jesus removed my sinfulness, and now I daily robe myself, myself in his robe of righteousness. Jesus removed the power of sin, and now he has given me a passion to live in holiness. He took my shame, and I can now radiate his glory. Yes, I have been removed from the curse, and now I'm able to walk by the Spirit and experience God's blessing. He took my sickness, and now I live in health. Took my poverty, and I live in abundance. He took my sorrow and regret, and now hope fills my heart daily. Yes, he took my anxiety, and now joy and peace, they guard my heart. I no longer have fear of rejection because I'm adopted into the family of our loving Savior. Ephesians 1 and 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his good will. Jesus experienced my death and now I have eternal life. Romans chapter 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, I want to encourage you, encourage you not to argue over the somatics uh, that often derail the true gospel. Don't divide, unite. Don't point fingers, embrace. Don't make it about yourself, make it about others. Yes, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, the cross is an amazing light that shines into the heart of 
everyone that comes to the cross. And from that light, there will come a tenderness. And the revolution of tenderness begins inside of you and reaches to those around and outside in your world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today that the cross is our beacon of light. It is our Heavenly Father's embrace. It is his revolution of tenderness. As we go this holy week, and as we meditate, and as we look at the cross, and as our faith is raised in expectation, we look forward to when again, Lord Jesus, that we will celebrate next Sunday the resurrection. God be with you. In Jesus' name, amen.